Hello everyone and welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast. We're doing a preview for the 70th anniversary Grand Prix. What a lovely name. And today I'm here with <laughs> Lee and Nigel. So how are you both? Yeah, good Amazing. today. Yeah, always good. Oh, he's always that's Oh, that's cool. So is the Formula E starting today? Is that... Yes, the day we're recording this, Formula E is back. We've got um, Berlin 1, round 1. Well, round 6. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sounds confusing. It's um, 6, 6 p.m. is the race. There we go. There's the plug. The plug for the, the race that will have happened probably by the time this is out. Yeah. yeah. Watch our podcast anyway that we did the other day. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so thank you for Joe for filling in because I don't know anything about Formula E. Uh, he did a very good job. And I thought it was a good podcast overall, apart from Nigel's slander of me about <laughs> 10 seconds in. But it's all right because don't hold grudges, as you will find out when I do the quiz later. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love you, Adam. I can't wait for the quiz. <laughs> it's all about Windsor and Legoland. So. Um, <laughs> Don't give it all away. I need to have need to have some pickup lines. But we're not um, focusing on that today. We're focusing on the 70th anniversary Grand Prix. Um, so the first thing to note is that Pirelli have gone ahead with the softer tyre compounds. Um, so obviously last week there were four tyre blowouts um, or punctures, which and three happened to the top five, and one of them caused the biggest crash in a while. Um, but they have stayed with that, so and they'll be running with higher pressures to try and compensate for that. They their investigation into the crashes basically said that it was just due to wear. So, what do you guys think about that? First of all, I'm I'm happy we've got the softer tyres. I completely would have understood if Pirelli wanted to take a step back, but also it wouldn't have worked for the production line. Definitely not for them. They'll have already prepared these tyres and shipped them over to the UK. But Ignoring that and thinking about the F1 moving mountains perspective of it, um, I think I'm glad that we they didn't go down a route of getting the uh, the harder compounds because it, it does throw up an entirely different perspective now to the previous race. And people are going to be going into it thinking, well, we've definitely got to pit. We've definitely got to pit because we know what the the medium tire was like and we know what the soft tire was like. And they were not you know not the best race tires. Definitely not the soft. And that's going to be the medium in the hards for this weekend. So I don't know whether whether it will lead to then some teams qualifying on the hard tyre or whatever. But um, that just throws in a whole new perspective to the race. It's going to force the teams to go out and practice, and it's going and it's going to be really hot. So that's going to be even more harsh on the tyres. The track temperature is going to be probably forty-five plus because it's going to be thirty Celsius in the air all weekend. So it's going to be. It's going to be an entirely different race to what we've had in recent years. And going back to where we were sort of uh, mid-decade. Mid, mid yeah, there's a few things to say, I think. I think it's great if we do have a two or three stop race. And not every race has to be two or three stops. But I think because we've had so many one-stop races over the last two or three years, it's good to have a change. So I think that's a good thing. Uh, talking about what happened on Sunday... Uh, both Mercedes had a puncture, and they that car probably has the most downforce out of the whole field. And therefore, when they go around the corners, Cops, Maggots, and Beckett's, 
they're going to be taking more speed, which loads up the tyres. So that's one possible reason why both Mercedes, Hamilton and Bottas, as well as Carlos Sainz in the McLaren, because McLaren have produced a pretty good car this year and they're going quite well in the corners as well. So that's another reason why tyres may have had some troubles uh, for those cars. But I think for this weekend, yeah, it's great really that we've got these softer tyres. Hopefully, uh, we do get a two or three stop race. It might not change the outcome at the front, but in the midfield, we can expect a lot of, of strategy changes. Yeah, I think definitely seeing how it changes and how teams approach it differently all through the weekend, as you say, from Friday onwards. Um, I think that'll be interesting, obviously, the, the strategy as well. Um, I'd kind of, I'm glad if they found that there's no safety risk because um, Kvyat's crash was very heavy and he was only about, well, he was a few metres off hitting just the bare metal fence um, rather than the um, arm covers he did. So, yeah, I think there's that kind of element of as long as they found it safe. But, you know, we, we won't know that at all. But I think there is just that asterisk that I'd throw out there. Um, yeah, I mean, the asterisk, I mean, all of the tyre blowouts were on a tyre they're not going to use in this race anyway. They're on the hard tyre. I think for Kofi as well, I don't know if it was the medium, but I think he had just pitted for the hard tyres. So, early on. Um, so, that's a tyre that's not going to be used in this race. And that's one way of looking at it. And they are, yeah, as you say, they are increasing the minimum pressure. So they've taken precautions and teams are, teams are going to know that these that the track's going to be abrasive and the tyres are going to be under pressure. So they're going to need to play it more conservative. And yeah, I think, yeah, what's interesting was the teams wanted to change, I think the tyres, no, Pirelli wanted to change the compound last year to make it stronger. But the teams opted to, to stick with the 2019 structure of tyre. So... You can't, I think anyone who's blaming P Pirelli for this is being a bit harsh because ultimately Pirelli are getting asked to make this type of tyre. So, yeah, and it's just up to the teams to pit earlier, I guess, because if they can see the cuts and the drivers can feel vibrations, then I think you should just simply pit, even, even if it's not you know, the best strategy for, for the race. Yeah, this is the high, I think Pirelli said these are the highest loads ever on tyres in Formula 1 mm. and that's not hard to believe at all Maggots Beckett's Chapel Cops um, Abbey Luffield all of those corners are going to be absolutely destroying these tyres particularly the one the front left is the one we saw go on the, on um, at the end of the race um, so that's it's like tyres it's going to be the whole car is leaning onto that tyre for the majority of such a high speed lap I think it's going to be very interesting in um some other tracks like Spa, if we're going, what they're going to do there, they'll, they'll probably bring the same tyre compounds they had last week, which are the hardest options. And that's going to, like someone like Puon, with putting this amount of wear on tyres, it could lead to some more interesting strategy races later down the season. Mugello. Mugello is horrific. It's going to be horrific on tyres. That's going to be, I mean, I, it's, it's not much to go on, but on Project Cars, I did some laps on Mugello um, in a Formula Renault. And after a couple of corners on the first lap, the tyre was red on the temperature thing, and that doesn't happen. So, yes, Freddie Coates, the official winging it test driver. 
but yeah and Anderson um, your heart out. <laughs> do you think that will help kind of improve the drama in the race the kind of because there wasn't much it, it was a bit of a procession a bit of a kind of boring race until yeah. the all the tie blowouts happened with three laps to go so i mean do you think anything else you know do you think that was just kind of the way the chips fell yeah. last week and it'll be different this week or what are your thoughts on that I think the problem on Sunday was everyone pitted on the same lap. Well, even in a normal one-stop race, you get different strategies in terms of people going longer or undercuts. So then, yeah, apart from Grosjean. Well, yeah, apart from Grosjean, who defended brilliantly, didn't he? As we talked <laughs> uh. about last time. But, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more strategy games. And, you know, we'd, like I said, we don't have to see two and, two, two and three-stop races at every race, just every now and then, just to mix things up. I mean... F1 needs variety over a season. That's something I think it, it lacks at the moment. So, you know, if the teams are having to pit more than once, then I think, I think that's, a, that's only a good thing. The traditional um, strategy that you'd normally see going into the race of the people starting on the softs and the people starting on the mediums was actually starting to turn into quite a nice fight because people on the softs were looking after their tyres. And so from about... I don't know, fifth, wherever I think the McLarens were in the, sort of the early start of the race, all the way down to the back of the field, really, mm-hmm. where the medium starters were, was shaping into a really nice sort of midfield scrap that was going to be involving the majority of the, 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 the field of, of the entire grid. So that was, that was shaping up quite nicely. And like Nigel says, they all, there was a safety car. So everyone who started on the medium, everyone who started on the soft, pitted for the hard tyres, and then that was it. And it was going to become a, there wasn't going to be a strategic elements to the race. And that just took that out, which is fine from a strategy performance perspective. The only person really with a strategy following that was um, Grosjean and actually Albon um, because of, well, and Grosjean's just wasn't necessarily the best. Um, and that's a shame because, yeah, anyway, it is. Yeah. I think it and it disadvantaged the people like Stroll's the one who springs to mind and Vettel who'd started on the medium tire mm. and then just had that completely wiped out. But racing yeah. point really have pace all weekend or the pace that we thought they'd have. Do you think they'll improve this week kind of as they learn the setup a bit more? Or do you think it's just kind of not their track like we thought it was? Ooh, that's a tough question. It, I mean, they did have they had to have pace to unlock, didn't they? Yeah, it, I think it partly yeah. depends. They need Perez back, really. We don't yeah. know if that's going to happen yet. But if you have Hulkenberg in the car, I think they're going to struggle to get a, a top ten. To be honest, in a normal race, and Stroll, you know, I think eighth or ninth last time, he looks like he had pace, but he just couldn't overtake really. So. Yeah, I was. I, I, like I said, I, I was. I was surprised that they were slower than than I thought because you know for Ferrari to be on the podium with Leclerc and Racing Point to not be, look mm. and seeing what we've had in Hungary and Austria, that was a huge surprise. So it'll be interesting to see. But I think they, for a racing perspective, they need Perez back. He got a bit ragged did Stroll, I think, and yeah, it's it, it sort of hark back to his um 2018 season at Williams. Where the where he was then sort of the team leader in Williams and he he struggled a bit with that I think it came it sat on his head a bit and he had a bad car to haul up then he's 
struggled mentally with that, I think. And I think this weekend, um, he was very clearly the number one driver in Racing Point. He was there to help Hulkenberg, but Hulkenberg was obviously not going to be um, working so well. He's not been training at all for Formula One. So um, I think with Stroll, he was getting a little bit tetchy with the weight on his shoulders. And he also he would have, he would have been told Hulkenberg's not starting the race. You're, um, you're the only hope, Lance. And I get the impression that was weighing on him quite a bit. Yeah, there was some but... conspiracy theory that I saw that uh, Racing Point intentionally didn't start Hulkenberg because Hulkenberg wasn't fit enough or something like that. So they thought, oh, he wouldn't start the car. <laughs> so I thought I was quite funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was complaining about his neck kind of he early was, on yeah. in the weekend. So, yeah, I think only possible explanation, I think. Only logical explanation, anyway. <laughs> um, on Hulkenberg, do we expect him to be better? Where do you think he'll be kind of around is he definitely racing um i don't think we know but i think it's, it's a 90 percent chance surely yeah well perez needs to test his eyes doesn't he so he needs to start driving to test his eyes so <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, he has of to course yeah. <laughs> those are the new rules that were introduced in april yeah. wasn't it? by the uk government and we're at silverstone well it depends yeah, if he's driving can... far enough that's a good point. We just need point. to do loads of laps and unlock the Force India from two years ago and long <laughs> yeah. round Silverstone for yeah. an hour. Because that's yeah. the best way to test your eyesight, you see. Uh, no, so in all seriousness, Perez really should have been back just to be on the safe side. And mm. if Hulkenberg is in the car, which is what we are expecting, he should get up to speed. I think... Hulkenberg has got a big advantage that we're racing at the same circuit. So then he's got that track knowledge. Yeah. He can get used to the car. Uh, and, you know, Formula One has a lot of practice. There's, what, four hours of practice? Yeah, that's right. So yeah. that's that's a lot compared to other motorsport series. So he should be able to uh, get his neck used to the G-forces, hopefully. And then, yeah, if he can get into Q3... That'll be a, a good result, and if you can get some points, that'll be even better. So that I think those, those will be Hulkenberg's targets this weekend. I think very reasonable, yeah. Yeah, I think he does. He has it. I mean, Stroll kind of without the two blowouts at the end, then he wouldn't have got um, points. But I do think yeah. they've got it in them. They should be getting them, and yeah, there's still just a kind of feeling. Maybe they've not unlocked the full potential of the car, but we've spoken about that a lot already. It, it will be interesting for Hulkenberg if he can have a really good weekend. Could that perhaps get him back onto the grid next year with Haas or Alpha, possibly? Because I think he might have been left out of the driving market. He might have been forgotten about, but now he's back in F1, back in the paddock. He's actually on the track. It could save his F1 career, perhaps, and he might get another chance next year, depending on what happens in the driver market. I think well, we there's a very it. good chance he'll be back. And we completely yeah. ignored that. And like Adam, Adam says, we did our Silly Season podcast and we completely ignored Hulkenberg. But obviously, yeah. in um, whenever it was, 2018, Paul Resta was in the, in the, announced by Williams as to be in the fight for the seat after his standard performance at Hungary that year for Massa. So it, I think you're right. I think he will be one of the big names and movers and shakers Coming up, we'll need to do a sequel. Yeah, I can't remember what exactly what I put down, but I 
I'm not so sure. I I feel like I I feel like there's there's a chance now. There's not enough. I think there's a chance, but for me, it feels like there's not enough seats and a bit too many, especially kind of with Vettel out and possibly Perez out of seats, and that kind of cuts down some of the landing spots. But um. Of you know people kind of looking for an experienced driver, they're probably going to go for them rather than Hulkenberg. Um, but yeah, uh, he's it, it can't harm his chances really. Well, I guess it can if he runs five seconds off the pace. But um, <laughs> you know, it's it's a good opportunity, and you know, I think it will enhance his reputation um, a lot more. One of the seats available, although probably not, or one of the potential seats available, I should say probably not one that Hulkenberg will be going for, but is at Alfa Romeo. And we've not spoken too much about them so far this year because there's not much to say. But um, on Kimi, do we think he's kind of... Where do we think his motivation's at? And he, do you think he's kind of enjoying it, regretting his decision to stay on an extra year because he's running around at the back he's got to kind of live in this bubble in the f1 circus and can't you know he's pretty limited in terms of what he can do there and yeah he was you know off the pace he finished last and was the only car to be lapped and got overtaken by latifi um last week so kind of what do we think on him at the moment I think Sunday's race wasn't representative of Raikkonen because he had, he broke his front wing, but I believe for some laps before that he was running round with a broken front wing, and for some for some reason Alpha didn't choose to pit him. I don't know why, but I think Alpha Romeo's operations have been possibly the worst on the grid this year. They, they, they got the strategy wrong in Hungary with Giovinazzi, and in fact, I'm Raikkonen, and I think yeah. Well, the car doesn't have the pace at first, but the team isn't doing itself any favours, really. As for Raikkonen, well, I think he's, I think him and Giovinazzi are quite equal. I think that, that's my opinion on him. So, you know, I feel, I feel he should have retired a couple of years ago. So if he does retire this year, you know, it's not going to be a big loss because he's well past his best. And it's unfortunate, really, because... You know, people who've only been watching F1 in the last few years won't have seen how good he was, especially in his McLaren days, 2005-2004 with, with Montoya as his teammate. He was probably he was one of the quickest F1 drivers ever. He, that's how he was regarded at the, at the time. You know, him, Alonso and, and Schumacher, sorry, were the force. He was, he was incredible. Think about Suzuka 2005, which by uh, getting... Get an appearance later on in the show. Yeah, yeah Suzuki 2005. He was absolutely incredible. He was like just ballistic. But since his return in when he came back to Lotus, when he came to Lotus in 2012, I think it was after his little rally instant, he hasn't quite been on it, you know, because you having to save tires in F4. Whereas in 2005, 2004, you didn't. He is pushing every single lap, and it seems Raikkonen isn't a fan of that, even though he is actually quite good at saving his tyres. I think his Lotus yeah. days were really interesting because he did, yeah. it was a bit disproportionate. Yeah, Gro, yeah, Grosjean as his teammate, and it would have been because the Lotus in 2012 and 2013 was 
for a lot of it was the second best car and was fantastic. And that was pushed by Reichel and he finished third in the 2012 championship, which a lot of people forget. And he, he came in and was close to the Kimi Raikkonen of old, the mm. um, a hairbreadth away from disaster, but nailing it with how he was driving. And I, I've always kind of thought he's a bit weird at Ferrari. I don't know why. Mm. I thought his Lotus time was all right. And because Grosjean wasn't bad in particularly 2013 at Lotus, but Raikkonen was brilliant. He won two races with them. Yeah. So that's just, it says a lot. It feels like at Ferrari, he, he left a lot to be desired both times. Yes, he won a championship once, but he was still matching Massa, um, I kind of think. And I just, it seems to be a bit like, is he a bit weirdly comfortable at Ferrari? It's, it seems after and, well, he became world like champion, now, he dropped. He dropped off after he won in 2007. He was never the same. I mean, he did his run there. He didn't finish off the podium um, for the whole back end of the season. And he yeah. got, he had two firsts in True. France and Britain. He retired at Europe. And then after that, he was on the podium for the rest of the thing. Mm-hmm. He won the most races then. It kind of, mm-hmm. I feel it is a bit of a slept on season because um, the story was about Lewis and yeah. McLaren. That's but true. He, you know, it was a kind of brilliant, a really consistent um, season from that perspective. And yeah, again, I think Lotus, he kind of came back and seemed to be on the pace. Initially, and but you know, wasn't, wasn't yeah, able to 10 years it. ago, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's crazy to think about. I think what you said about um, him and Giovinazzi are quite similar. I don't know kind of who that who comes off worse from that. It kind of should Giovinazzi be, you know, yeah, should he be beating a teammate who's you know off his had you know been. He's what forty now, and he's not been yeah. on the pace for a while. Or... He's still a teammate who won a race in 2018 and got a pole position at Monaco mm-hmm. the year before. Just which isn't a slipstream pole position. That's a yeah. that's a driving pole position. So he's still yeah. it's still there with Raikkonen, and I think I think the fact that Giovinazzi the majority of the time he's beating him. I think he only hasn't outqualified him in the Styrian race when. He was he spun right at the end of what was a really fast lap, unfortunately for him in the wet. But he still spun, and it seems to be it seems to be the silly mistakes team at the moment, Alfa Romeo. That's one clip. No, um, they'll, they'll hate me. They already they still love me currently, obviously, but they definitely know us. And one um, other touch, uh, talking point to touch on um, that we kind of didn't discuss too much last time. But Bottas, where do we think his head is at regarding the championship? Because I looked at when he went in the first corner, he kind of had an inside run on Lewis. Yeah. And pretty much yeah. backed out of it and just mm. stuck for second. I feel like Rosberg would have gone for that every day of the week. And he. So do we think he kind of is thinking about the championship or got at least half an eye on? you know, just solidifying, picking up kind of as many second places as he if, he can and, yeah, kind of securing his contract for another, as long as he can. If he's got an eye on the championship, he should have gone for that, really, I yeah. think. Because yeah. he knows his best chance to win the race is off the start. And, you know, I, I, have, I have no idea why I didn't go for that. Because if you watch the onboard, he got a really good start again. Mm. He seems to get really, really good starts. Uh, ever since he joined Mercedes, 
and he just backed out of it. I don't know why, because I, I turned one on the first lap. I think it would be flat, even with the full tank of fuel. So I have no idea why he didn't go for that. A massive chance missed. He's had his one bit of bad luck now. He didn't get any points. Whether that will happen to Hamilton at some point to level the luck scores up, I don't know. But yeah, he. Uh, it's going to be very, very tough now, isn't it? If, if Hamilton doesn't suffer any misfortune. Yeah, you get there is a history of sort of half-assed moves with Bottas, and this West one was kind of. Oh, he left Hamilton like two or three car lengths, car widths even on yeah. on his left hand side, and just it was a long side. Pretty he much. opened himself up to um, an attack from behind going into turn three, which is why Le- Leclerc didn't get third because Bottas had to defend and which forced Verstappen into on Leclerc. And that's just obviously the how racing works. Um, but, like, it's, there's, there's playing the Professor Prost game and then there's just settling for second. And this was just settling for second. Yeah. I think playing the Prost game only works if you're at the same level as, you're, as the person you're in a championship fight mm. against. Um, best drives of all time Prost gets considerably underrated I feel like with Bottas it might have just been I don't know that he he just doesn't want to kind of risk risk going for a move like Mm. that and you know Mm. because if he sends both of the Mercedes out that's uh, you know that's pretty awful for him so I don't know whether he's just kind of just focused on you know picking up something if Lewis does kind of falter yeah. or gets a puncture or whatever, but not kind of fighting him too hard. I mean, we saw in the Austrian he, Grand Prix that he defended very well from him, but when the tables were turned, he kind of just didn't go. He didn't move. really have to defend though. He just had to not make any mistakes, and you know he never had to. had to move Hamilton behind you. Hamilton finds him at majority only. I mean, yeah, only a second really back, and also having to nurse a car that was. Yeah. In the shape, the worst shape a Mercedes has been in a race mm. since the year before. I think, I think the problem for me is we've seen when he's had to come through the midfield and stuff. Yeah, he's not as good at doing nah. that kind of thing. And also, Bahrain 2018 springs to mind when yeah, Vettel exactly. was leading on the last lap. Bottas had a chance to do a Daniel Ricciardo style dive bomb and get the move done, but he didn't really go for it either then. He didn't so win I a race in 2018. And Hamilton won, what, mm. 11? Yeah. Mm. He's done better there. since then. He's done a lot better since then. Um, That's because he's had a better car. Yeah, mm. but there was bad luck in 2018. He should have won in Russia and not just like, yeah, you know, oh, if he'd done this, it was the Mercedes swapped the cars. So, Would Hamilton yeah. have overtaken him anyway? No. I don't think no, so. I don't, know, but I, don't, I, don't mm. I don't think so. It was late on um, in the race. Hmm. On to be fair, um, Vettel lost in that race because Vettel yeah. got overtaken by Hamilton. Anyway, yeah. this isn't the Russian Grand Prix 2018 <laughs> podcast. We're going to do um, them in 20 years' time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, you signed us up for a long time there. Um, <laughs> I'll be bold. Do you, where do we think Bottas is in relation to Verstappen on race pace? Because I feel like, I mean, he's finished second to Hamilton once so far this season. And I feel like, I mean, 
without the puncture, there was no way that Verstappen would catch Bottas here. But it kind of feels like there's not that much of a gap. And if if Lewis does kind of have an issue, that even if it didn't relate um, affect Bottas, it feels like it's not kind of certain that Bottas would be the one to be able to pick up the pieces from that. I think well, Bottas had his vibrations um, from kind of whatever it was, lap 38, mm. lap 40. And he was reporting that on the radio. And from then on, I was kind of watching the gap. And the gap to Hamilton grew a bit. So Bottas was trying to conserve a bit, trying to look after his tyres, trying to give himself some clearer air so he wasn't desecrating his tyres. But the gap to Verstappen stayed the same, flickering between a tenth. And so even when Bottas is like in conservation mode, he's got the pocket on pace to Verstappen definitely when Verstappen presumably would still be absolutely pushing there because he would have a sense of oh Bottas's pace is dropping back um, so on the car front Verstappen can keep up with a can match the pace of a conserving Bottas and that's just basically is like the Mercedes is just better um, I do think on the racecraft is what keeps Verstappen in the fight not the pace mm-hmm. Bottas has got the pace to do it, but the racecraft is where he, where he slacks. Yeah. Austria, um, Austria too. That's the Verstappen being able to pull up some absolute worldly overtake to stay in the fight for another lap on the oldest mm. tyres in the book. Just completely, he left. Bottas was just embarrassed by not having got that move done on whatever it was like lap sixty-six. <laughs> he should have got past much earlier. But I, I'm ducking and diving from every answer here. <laughs> uh, I think, I think, yeah, you're right, Adam. He should be finishing a comfortable second, just like Rosberg was doing in 2014, 2015, 2016. And as we saw in 2018, 2017, when the field was well, when Mercedes had much stronger competition in Ferrari, you know, they had pretty much equal cars for those two years. Bottas really struggled compared to Hamilton and, and as we said he didn't win at all in 2018 which which kind of shows a lot really when when Hamilton won, was able to Hamilton won Vettel won Raikkonen won Ricardo won Verstappen won that year Bottas didn't win Bottas finished fifth in that championship yeah that's so that, he, he, he's that's lucky in the way Williams yeah he's lucky in a way that Mercedes have got such a good car because mm. it's making him look better almost because the worst he, he should finish is, is second on a normal day. Yeah. Bottas yeah. was three tenths off Hamilton and got second. Alvin was what three yeah. and a bit tenths off Verstappen and was ten places yeah. behind him. Three tenths last year would have been fourth or fifth on the yeah. grid. Mm. I feel I feel like he's a good number two in terms of everything you want. Oh, you yeah. know, like not taking Hamilton out he's at the perfect. start. Um, he's not the best yeah. number two. No. He's no Barrichello. No. No, but I feel like people, it's a bit unfair that people expect him to be kind of the championship contender because that isn't his role. That's kind of not, yeah, that's not what he was meant to do. People begrudgingly accept that's not his role, uh, but we want a championship fight. Yeah. He has to put himself in front of Hamilton. He's allowed to do it, to be fair, in the team. He's allowed to race Hamilton. Yeah, to beat him unless it's critical. Um, so we want to see Bottas putting his 
putting his car on the line at the start of the race to try and try and win the race, not to try and think, oh, it's okay, maybe I'll be able to get an easy DRS pass on lap 36. No, try and win the race, Bottas. Yeah, Bottas, hope you're listening to this, but Freddie wants you to try harder. <laughs> yeah, I've got a Bottas cap somewhere from five years ago when I was a little Williams fan, so vindicate me. Uh, <laughs> um, before we move on to predictions and some F1 history stuff, have you guys got anything more to add on anything at all? Anything? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Except Formula E. Oh. Only <laughs> 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 uh, I, I mean, it's, with hotter conditions, it will be interesting to see if Renault and Ferrari still have the pace that they have or whether racing point, as we talked about, will come back into it. Will Red Bull tend to go a bit better in the hotter conditions as well compared to Mercedes, whether it will be enough for Verstappen to, you know, challenge the Mercs, we'll have to see. Uh, but yeah, it, even though we're racing at the same track with different tyres and different conditions, it should be a, a pretty good weekend. Yeah, I can only really echo what Nigel just said. We had the um, really, really hot conditions on the Friday practice with the Grand Prix just gone and Mercedes didn't top a session. I mean, we can read into that as much as we want, probably should do nil, but it's, <laughs> it, yeah, Mercedes aren't, aren't good in the heat. They can't cool the car. So, they're still yeah. the favourites. They're, they're, they're still, don't get me wrong. Yeah, they're still definitely I, the favourites. I don't read too much into that kind of not topping the practice. I feel yeah. like if they want to, they can. And mm, yeah. That's fair enough, like, yeah. Like yeah. Lewis in um, qualifying, he, was, he didn't top a session. He hadn't topped a session all weekend until Q3, but he's just got that in him to come when out. When you need to do it, yeah. Yeah, and beat Bottas by three tenths. You know, it's just... He always has that up his sleeve. Um, think, but it, oh, yeah, yeah, carry on. I was just going to say, uh, Mercedes uh, Silverstone, I was looking the other day, from 2017 to 2018 in, in qualifying, they improved by seven temps. 2018 to 2019, seven temps. 2019 to 2020, guess what? It was another seven temps. Wow. So I guess that just shows how... They're going to be the, seven temps quicker next car. year? <laughs> Maybe this week. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> But, yeah, impressive. that just shows what everyone else is, is up against. Mm. And they were, Lewis was a second ahead of Verstappen in qualifying. Yeah. Their top top line pace is just incredible. Mm. Um, I, should I we move on? Oh, yeah. Sorry, just one, one more point, I promise. Right. Um, yeah. I don't think Red Bull have been, I've had a qualifying session where, where they've been quicker compared to last year, which I find really weird, which is why Mercedes is, is gapped. Red Bull mm. is always exacerbated, really, because Red Bull haven't improved, and I, I don't know what that's down to. It looks like they've got the arrow wrong. So, mm. yeah, that's just a point to make. We should slag off Red Bull more. Yeah, well, it's, it's up to everyone else to catch up because ultimately, if you're if you're not improving yeah. year on year, you know, by a few tenths, never mind seven tenths, then clearly something has gone wrong. So that's yeah. why Mercedes are out in front by so much. Yeah. I feel like don't get angry at Mercedes for doing a yeah. good car. Get angry at everyone else for not matching exactly. them. Yeah, um, they got their Ferrari and Red Bull got there pretty much 2018 was the most even yeah. season we've seen recently. Mm. And particularly the end, the, the final half of 2018, I seem to remember Brazil 
you had sort of the back straight, you had all sort of six cars just involved in this fight. And that's brilliant. Um, but then they all seem to have dropped the ball until like yeah. Brazil last year. But <laughs> so if we were going to Brazil, maybe, but obviously we're not. It's all about Brazil. It is all about that Brazil. Um, okay, so let's move on now to some predictions for this weekend. Um, we're not doing first and second because we're <laughs> too boring. We're too boring. Um, well, we did agree this before and you didn't say anything then. So There's only so many times we can predict Bottas will win before he actually does. <laughs> um, but we'll look at third, fourth and fifth, which is a bit more interesting and it's now as I'm reading this that I can't remember or I didn't actually write down who I wanted so I'll invite one yeah. of you to go first <laughs> oh okay um, I think third place will go to Max Verstappen uh, no boring. no I don't I think third place will go to Bottas <laughs> that's oh, not okay. boring Bottas will finish third it's still quite boring uh, I think third not will George be. Russell, is it? <laughs> I think <laughs> third will be Daniel Ricciardo. Oh, that's not. I was first podium. That's interesting. I was thinking the same thing. Sure. Um, but <laughs> now I'm going to go for Verstappen instead. Yeah, fourth place. Um... <laughs> I'm going to go with Norris before. That's a good bet. Nigel Chi. Uh, Sides. Ooh. Ricardo for me again. Another fourth. Fair enough. going to finish um, second to mine. No one knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it could be like Reichardt or something. You don't know. And Sounds. fifth, Nigel. Who do you think will finish fifth in the 17th? Well, we said before the podcast we're not allowed to mention this person's name, but I'm okay, going to have to because yeah. it's Alexander Albon. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we've had too much discussion about him, seemingly, every race review and most of the previews. <laughs> yeah, and the half the city season pod. So next Monday for um another ten minute discussion on Alex Albon's performance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who, who, uh, who do you guys think? Well, I was gonna say Albon, but I'll say Ocon to be different. Ocon. Ooh. Um, I've kind of backed myself into a corner because I think Renault will be top five again, but equally I don't think they're going to get third, fourth, fifth or first and second. So well, They can't, there's only two cars. Process is. Um, so, Charles Leclerc again. Yeah, he's a good he as oh. good, but He's looking good. He's looking and pacey. So, now we'll move on to a quiz to uh, finish the episode. This week, it's going to be Freddie versus Nigel, the two informed players. Um, I think Freddie's won two and Nigel's won one. Um, but he did absolutely demolish me in the Hungary round. So, yeah. He's, uh, Only a bit. That's 7-1, or until the last few questions anyway. Um, but we will dive straight into it. So, because it's um, the... 70th anniversary Grand Prix. I'm splitting the quiz. So there's one round of questions on the last week's race, the British Grand Prix, and one round ish on the 1950. Um, <laughs> 19, season, so. 1950 British Grand Prix. No, the season. Oh, that doesn't make season. it any better. <laughs> yeah, um, a bubble. 
so we'll start off. You wait next time till I'm doing the quiz. I'm going to do the 1954 season. You two, two, two. I'm going to, that we'll I'm going to get Adam against quiz. Nigel in a Formula E quiz. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think I've got dodgy internet that week. Um, so <laughs> let's just go with, and I've just realised I've not noted, noted down the. Um, any of the questions is a good start (laughs) (laughs) start off with um at the grand prix who at the british grand prix this weekend who made uh, the most places from their starting position to where they finished freddie yes freddie is it george russell it is george russell freddie well done he made up eight places so there that's one chance Would would you guess that, Nigel? Do you think? I was going to say Bottas. He made up. Uh, oh, made down the lots. <laughs> oh no, I just no. went first. But um, okay, so that's one nil to Freddie. Moving on to question two: Which driver started seventh and finished thirteenth? Nigel. Yes, um, yeah. Nigel. <laughs> started seventh. <laughs> Finish thirteenth. Uh, yeah, you got. I'm going to was have to you. Carlos Sainz. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. Definitely One knew minute. that as I said my name. <laughs> I knew it as you said your name. I was about to say it. I have to rush on the uh, answers. Um, so that's one-one. Tenth so far. Um, how many podiums did Charles Leclerc have after four races last season? Nigel. Yes, Nigel. Well, he had one in Bahrain and then um, I think he had one yes that is correct <laughs> um, so I, I kind of put that in because I thought it was interesting that even though this year's Ferrari is clearly much worse than last year's that yeah. he definitely had more yeah. podiums cool. at this stage he has less points but yeah I just thought that was yeah. a bit of an interesting one this one the next one is the closest wins and it is what was Hamilton's winning margin at the 2008 British Grand Prix? Freddie. Yes, Freddie. 68 seconds. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. To the decimal point, right, isn't it? Oh, fine. 68.6 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> no, no. You, you can have the point. You can have the point. It's <laughs> 68.577. Oh. I basically I rounded it up to 68. How do you know that? I know. I know because I, I, I remember um, I remember David Coulthard interviewing Lewis Hamilton at a Grand Prix, British Grand Prix, a couple of years ago, and saying, "Remember when you won here by 68 seconds?" And um, mm. uh, I think either, either it was DC or EJ pipes up with a microphone with, "Should have made it a number higher." Well, hey, and the whole British British crowd <laughs> loved it. <laughs> and Lewis Hamilton blushed. Insight into Freddie's mind, right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, is, is, is there's David a whole most mentions in this podcast. There's a whole Wikipedia entry on Grand Prix wins by Lewis Hamilton. The next, his next biggest margin is thirty seconds, thirty point one three five, which I think is pretty. So even in the Mercedes era, he's still not even won by half half of what he did in the 2008 British Grand Prix, where he just absolutely dominated. Um, and that was the 2014 British Grand Prix, actually. So he clearly well, yeah, goes well there. Didn't he? And his closest win is 
Yas Marina 2016, 0.439 seconds. <laughs> that was but yeah, good. I love looking that. through that. Um, but we'll move on to, so what's that? Two all. So this is a deciding question. And it is inspired by Lewis's performance to win with three wheels on his wagon. Um, how many piston cuts did Lightning McQueen win? In the Cars franchise. <laughs> Freddie. Yes, Freddie. None. No. Oh, wait. Did he win more in Cars 2? Uh, Damn it. Nigel, <laughs> I think, nine? No. But he did <laughs> win because the guy with the moustache won because he went to yeah, but over the, the franchise. Franchi yeah, but then they were raced in the World Racing League, not NASCAR. Two. No, but you're getting closer. Freddie, do you want to go? Is it one? No. Nigel. <laughs> Sorry, Nigel, what did you say? I said, I said three. No. <laughs> I think I know who's going to get this. Four. <laughs> yes. <it>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't he know doesn't, this. I don't think he actually wins any in the Cars movies. But oh, come on. Oh, well. But, but in Cars 2 then, it says he wins four. So yeah, but I just thought I'd throw that in as a little <laughs> link there to, um, yeah, all the memes going round of uh, of him just hopping along to try and get it. So yeah. I yeah Jeremy Nigel Clarkson was in the Cars film. Michael Schumacher was as well. Oh yeah. And Lewis. And Lewis, oh, yeah. In Cars all the yeah. greats. Mm. And Vettel. And oh. <clears throat> so, <laughs> Nigel, how do you... you do you think your strength is the last week's British Grand Prix or the 1950 F1 season? Yeah, I'm pretty good with the 1951 season, so I'm just a bit unlucky that it happens to be 1950 because oh, okay. I'm not quite as good That's as that. Um, I'm, I'm a 1950 Formula 2 expert, but Formula 1, I mean. Oh, drat. Um, well, I'm going <laughs> to make it a bit, a bit easier, maybe. Um, it's inspired by Nigel's last week, but you just have to name any driver track or constructor that was in the 1950 season and it's like Nigel's last week that we just go on yeah keep kind of ping-ponging up um I don't know should I I'll give you one life each so you've got one pass I don't know how much that oh, will that's good affect <laughs> All it, right. but, um yeah ready first Nigel, yeah Nigel you won last time in the round one, so you have to go first. Uh oh, does he? Track, track, the... oh, no, track no. team or driver? Oh no, Freddie, it's an advantage to go first, isn't it? So yeah, Freddie, you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah Freddie, Freddie, Freddie you go first. So any Formula One style doing a reverse grid. Yeah, and in terms of there were entries, but a lot of them are. I don't know. I'm not really sure how I'm going to. Um, do the entry slash constructors, but I'll figure it out. But yeah, all right, any... let's just go and see what we can say. Yeah, yeah. Alfa Romeo, Ferrari, yes. yes, Maserati, yes, Silverstone, yes, Farina, yes, he won, which is I quite like the fact that it's uh, not a legendary driver who won the first, it's just kind of. Yeah, bit uh, you don't think he's a legend? <laughs> Monza. Yes. Fangio. Yes. 
Michael Lab's went on. He, he won already. Yeah. He won five. I'm just going to try to stall and uh, give you. <laughs> um, so yeah, Fangio won five titles. He jumped yeah. around machinery a lot, and he finished second in the 1950 season to Farina. He had 27 points. Farina had 30, um, and he didn't finish. Nigel, if you want to give an answer, then just jump in. Um, and of course, you can pass. You can pass as well. Um, Fangio, he either won I'm or pass. retired. Okay, Freddie. Ascari. Yes. Oh. Now it's back. Ascari <laughs> finished. How, how did, is it eight, eight circuits? Six, isn't that? Seven. Six, seven. Oh, there we go. Okay, so we'll start. So you saying a circuit's a risk, uh, though, isn't it? I mean, anything's a risk for me. Some, some that are less risky than others. Cheers. Oh, um, <laughs> Good clue. Is there any yeah. that are on the current or what should have been the, the F1 calendar this year? Yep. There's one more. I'm going to go Spa. Oh, sorry. Yeah. It, it, did someone say... Spa. Yeah, sorry. I thought, I thought someone said that before, but yes, that's correct. Oh, Spa that's, that's another one that's on the F1 grid yeah. this year. And there's... Oh, an, Monaco. Of course, oh. yes. There we go. Um, uh, oh. I'm gonna go with I don't know Brooks, Tony Brooks. No, he's really? not, is he? Don't think he is. No, I think it's all over. Oh, I think it is now. I think <laughs> it is. Nice, Ralph. So, Freddie wins that, which means we have to go to the tiebreaker, which is also very abstract. But um, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, the other tracks, there was the Indy 500. Oh, yeah. Was I don't count that. that. Well, that's fine, but I do. So It wasn't a World Championship event. Johnny Parsons yeah, counts it with his Formula One win. It was the third race of the season, third championship yeah, race of the season. Johnny might... Parsons got it, as you said. Bill it Holland wasn't... finished second. Oh. Bill Holland? What? That Formula One great. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking down. I'm not sure there's any more. Oh, and the other tracks were Reims yeah, in Reims. France, which I quite like. I think there's a story of, might be Moss, it could not be. Um, they had a big long straight at the start-finish, and he went off at the final turn mm. on purpose so that he'd have a bigger run-up for the straight, mm. um, oh, which I quite good. like. And there's a Swiss Grand Prix at Bremgarten, Okay. Which I wouldn't have expected anyone to get. Oh, and Luigi Fagioli, who is kind of forgotten, he was second in the first British Grand Prix, um, but has been lost to time, really. But we will go on to the tiebreaker, which is kind of doubly inspired by news this week, but it's also a bit of a weird one. So, can you... I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing the faces change. Can you name the highest place finisher in the 2009 GP2 race at Portimao? Oh, so, Freddie. I mean, yeah. Hulkenberg. Yes. Freddie takes the quiz. Yeah, he did. Yes. He won. Um, wait, wait, there's two races, though. Yeah, he was the highest placed. He finished first in one yeah. of them. Yeah, so yeah. if I can get the other first place, does that mean... Oh, go um, on, man. Yeah, I guess. Does I'm that really mean we need to... See, the problem is, is I don't really... Is it Hulkenberg? Then, then you'll just have to name the next... 
I think it was just have to name the next no, I, um, I, highest win, highest finisher. But I'm gonna get it wrong anyway. I'm gonna go with. I, I, I nearly said Rosberg, and it's a good thing I did. Uh, uh, well, the 2005 GP2 champion Rosberg. <laughs> oh, I've no idea. Oh, my brain is. I'll be I don't very. Okay. I mean. I didn't even think about the second race, to be honest. But if, yeah. um, it is Luca Filippi, the Ooh. famous name of the drivers in FC that season. Of Vitaly Petrov, Lucas yeah. Degrassi, mm-hmm. Roman Grosjean, although he bailed out halfway through after Hungary. Maldonado, yeah. Guido Ooh. Vandegaard, D'Ambrosio, nice. Sergio Very Perez. Mm. So, yeah. But Good lineup. Freddy takes a win for the quiz this week. Thanks to his abstract knowledge of history and GP2. Uh, <laughs> it was a punt and, and a half. And I don't know who's on the quiz next week. It might be Nigel, but I can't remember. Uh, it will be Freddy. Yes, it's me. I did mine last week. Oh, great. So I'm going to get you some Spanish questionas. Yeah, I did a GCSE in Spanish, so it's going to come off in handy. <laughs> okay. Um, but that's the end of the quiz and the podcast. So make sure we'll be doing a race review of 70th anniversary Grand Prix. So make sure to tune into that. That'll be going up Sunday or Monday, hopefully. Um, and we'll see what happens there and whether we get any of our predictions right or not. We probably won't touch yeah. on it, actually. But it will still be fun to tune in. And obviously, watch the race. It's on free to air in the UK, which is no, nice. No, it's not. Not for is this not? one. It's not. No, the, it's not the British <laughs> oh. Grand Prix, is it? It's only the 70th anniversary Grand Prix. Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't know. Yeah. Blame Sky. Might be on pick. No, it's Sky One are showing. Uh, Sky One are showing qualified live, but mm. not the race. Okay, I think I've got Sky One. I, I, I don't know. Not, I thought I'd heard. Race, might have been Aidan Mill who's done it, but yeah. Anyway, that's a massive shame. But I'll uh, listen to it on the radio instead. <laughs> but in the meantime. We will tune out for this one. And Freddie, where can people find us? You can find us on Twitter with Wing It F1. Uh, You can find the podcast on our podcast website at acast.com stroke winging it F1, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, forward slash. Fine. Um, You can find us on our YouTube channel, Wing It F1 podcast. And you can listen to this podcast on Spotify and iTunes. Wow. And you can also find all of us on Twitter. So my Twitter is at AdamDickinson01. Freddie, what's your Twitter? Oh, I'm glad you asked, Adam. My Twitter <laughs> is at FredCoats1999. I wonder what Nigel's is. Uh, did you actually... Yeah, what is mine, Freddie? It's at NigelCGerno. Oh, wow. Exactly, yeah. I've got um, to write it into the descriptions for every episode. I've figured them all out by now. I think everyone's I think tuned out as well because we, they all know what, what happens at the end. Yeah, yeah. We, have, we have 3% viewers up until this bit. We have 4% <laughs> viewers until the other bits. So. Um, but yeah, we need to get uh, better at these outros, I think. Or I do anyway. But um, yeah, thank you very much for watching. And we will see you after the 70th anniversary Grand Prix. Bye.